Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show. I appreciate you. Thank you for giving me your ears We have such a fascinating show today. You know, the reason why I created the Animals to the Max podcast is because I love talking about animals and I love talking to fellow like-minded animal people and people who work with animals. And I love the behind the scenes information. What is it like taking care for all these different types of animals? And I always really enjoy recording our zookeeper episodes because I feel like they're relatable. I feel like, you know, especially for people listening to the show, I know a lot of you listening, you know, want to work with animals in some capacity someday. Maybe you already work with animals. I feel like they're really relatable and I love talking to keepers and, you know, to figure out what it's like caring for all different types of animals. And for some weird reason, I don't know what it is, but I have always been fascinated with great apes and keeping them in zoos. I have just the whole behind the scenes. Every time I go to a zoo, I'm just so fascinated with what would it be like to care for a gorilla or what would it be like to care for a chimp? And today on the show, I'm so happy we finally have someone to talk about that. On the show, we have Rachel Hale and she has an awesome Instagram. Her Instagram handle is at Rachel Meets Planet. Her best friend is a gorilla. Seriously, like that's what's in her Instagram bio. I really enjoyed talking to Rachel. What is it like caring for a great ape like a gorilla, a chimpanzee? It is so fascinating and I learned so much. There's a lot of great insight in here, especially for those who maybe want to work with great apes or any animal in a zoo. And for those of you who maybe don't want to work at a zoo, who don't want to work with animals, but you just enjoy listening to the show, this is fascinating. I mean, imagine what your life would be like if your nine to five was like, hey, you're going to go work with a gorilla one day. Now, I encourage you as always to join us for the after show. Oh boy, in the after show, do we get into it? We talk about some very hot topics, including blackfish. We talk about marine mammals in captivity. We talk about people who are anti-zoo. We talk about her rescue work. Uh, you know, she rescued a lot of marine animals, including sea turtles. We talked about overfishing. We really, really talked about it all. And this is actually a longer Patreon only episode, but I we were just in such a hot conversation. I was like, I, I literally cannot stop recording this interview. So it is longer, but once again, I encourage you to check that out. And all you have to do to join that after show is just head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max and it's exclusive patron only episodes. This is great. If you're a fan of the show and want to dive deeper into it, Trust me, the Patreon only is, it's worth it. Plans start at just $10 a month. And honestly, all that money goes back to the show. Uh, This has been a labor of love. And we just thought, you know what? It would be great to have some extra support for new equipment, for the web hosting fees. Why not do a Patreon only and offer exclusive benefits? So we appreciate the support. And before we get going, as always, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a rating. It really helps out. Okay, with that said, let's talk about gorillas. Let's talk about chimpanzees. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Corbin. I'm so excited. Yes, and I have to say, Rachel, you have like the craziest job. She, you know, used to work with gorillas on a daily. That's how I found you on Instagram. I was like, because her, your bio is awesome. It says, my best friend is a gorilla. (laughs) <laughs> it's still it's still valid even if I, if I've swapped animals. I I yeah and I find it so fascinating and we have a lot of people around the world who listen to the show a lot of aspiring people who want to work with animals and you have a dream job and some of our zookeeper episodes are the most um listened to podcasts cuz it's just like what would that be like? I mean a lot of people have normal 9 to 5s and you're working with exotic animals and I know you just switched to working with cheetahs which we will get into but first of all welcome to the show and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, thank you. And you are a busy lady working with all different types of animals. How does one start working? Uh, I mean, how did you start working with gorillas? Take us back. So back in the day, um, I actually started in marine mammal, believe it or not. Um, my dream going growing up was always to work with animals like most zookeepers that we have nowadays. 
Uh, when I was a child, my parents would always take me to SeaWorld growing up. One time they tried to take me to Disney World. I cried and said, where are the animals? Because back <laughs> in the day, Animal <laughs> Kingdom was not what it is. And so we discontinued those annual passes and continued on with SeaWorld. Um, so I grew up always wanting to work with a lot of different animals. Marine mammals and great apes actually drew me in. So I started with marine mammals in training and strandings. So the marine rescue rehab everything like that. And then a seasonal great ape position opened. And I said, you know what, it, I would kick myself if I didn't go for it. Um, the position was for mainly gorillas and chimpanzees, a couple smaller primates as well. And I always tell people I went for the chimps. I fell in love with the gorillas. I'm an absolute gorilla girl at heart. Um, just like most other zookeepers, which I don't know how in detail you want me to go. But you know, we start off with a lot of volunteering internships and then start with those part-time seasonal positions. I was very lucky that an opening popped up a couple months in. I was selected for full-time, and I was spent six years there working and really learning from the gorillas. Yeah, okay, that's it. Hold on, back up. This is insane. First of all, some people listening might find this terrifying. I know you mentioned you wanted to work with chimps. I've had so many keepers on the show, and they say they do not want to work with chimps. Like, this is an animal you want to avoid. My zookeeper friends say if there's one animal to be terrified of at a zoo, it's going to be a chimp. I always like to replace the word terrified with respected. If there's one okay. animal that deserves the utmost respect, I always like to say it's the chimpanzee. <laughs> you know what my friend told me, though? They said if you literally were in an exhibit with the chimp, they would come to you, they'd rip off your face, and then rip off your genitals. <laughs> yes, I've actually, watched, I've actually watched that happen before with a poor raccoon that <gasps> got the exhibit. Um, and it was... I don't want to get too gruesome on your show, but it was it's one of those things that you know we can sit in fear... But think about us as humans, what we do with our, you know, foe and, you know, mm. our wartime zone. And that raccoon bit one of the chimps. So it was a war enemy in terms of chimp social dynamics. And so, you know, they would get it. They would hold it down. They ripped off the lower jaw, bit the genitals off and took fingernail by fingernail off. So. <laughs> I know oh, my God. This is insane. You know, it's the same. It was the same chimp group that you know, that was their common enemy. And that's a way that they bond socially. And if you think about humans, honestly, we're not that different. Yeah. Then, but this is the same chimp group then, uh, you know, one of the behaviors we taught them was a special type of wound wash, just because, you know, they're chimps, they live in an outdoor en environment. And from time to time, they make it a scrape or a cut. And it's our job to make sure they heal right. And so one of the because ch female chimpanzees have a estral pad on their bum. And Sometimes it's prone to getting scrapes. And so one chimp, we taught her an estral pad wash where she would sit in a tub of warm water that had um, antiseptic in it. It was her favorite thing, Corbin. It was spa day. She would come over and she would see us fill the tub and she would put her hands up like this and walk over and sit in it and just be so happy. So, you know, yeah, they, they definitely have a side that needs to be help, say, uh, respected and uh, healthfully feared, if that's the right way to put it. Um but at the end of the day, there's so much more personality than just this war machine. So yeah, really and I'm happy that you said that. I never looked at it like that. And I think that's so naive of me because it's like putting and we just had we just talked about this on the show about um, anthropomorphism and how we like how some people put humans above all the rest and this and that. And it's not. We're all animals. And you're mm -hmm. right. We humans are really destructive, horrible creatures. I, we're, I mean, we're I, well dressed chimps is what it comes down to. <laughs> we're, we're what? I'm sorry well-dressed chimps you're true you're right you're right and by the way i do want to say god someone tuning in for the first time is like what podcast is this um no i and i shouldn't say on here i know i shouldn't say we're not all horrible but i mean that we are the most destructive and it's true though we're the most destructive animals on the planet mm -hmm. i mean no one can argue with that right absolutely wow absolutely. okay so what so <laughs> what so with chimps, is it terrifying, though, working with something so intelligent? I mean, what do you rate their intelligence to uh, human-wise? Can you do that? And I know it's hard to measure intelligence in animals because we don't technically know. But, like, if you could give us an estimate. Yeah, no, I love this question. And it's something that I could nerd about for hours. Um, it's really hard to say because even if you think about human intelligence, how do you measure human intelligence? So... You know, if you think you can take a 10-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, and you're going to have a spectrum in each of those ages, 
or I'm sorry, a spectrum across the ages, but even within those age groups, you're going to have people on such different spectrums of intelligence. And, you know, we've developed things like an IQ test to measure intelligence, but I always say, you know, you're, you're a product of your environment and so are these animals. And so I actually read a book a couple years ago called Next of Kin. Have you heard of that book with the chimp washu? I have not. Oh my gosh. So anyone who's a reader listening to the podcast, highly recommend it. It's long story short, a story about a chimpanzee who was raised in the same environment that a deaf child would have been raised in. So they never heard the verbal or the, um, you know, spoken word. Mm -hmm. Everything was communicated to that chimp in the same way that American Sign Language would be taught to a human. And this chimpanzee at a couple years old had the speaking capability of a couple year old human. And then this chimpanzee went on to not only continue that language learning throughout life with other chimps that were taught ASL, but passed it on to her offspring without any human interaction. And so a lot of times when we look at working with animals, whether that's a dolphin, dog, cheetah, gorilla, or even an alligator, or, you know, whatever <laughs> animal you want to look Thank at, you. <laughs> um, we, we think about it in terms of how we measure someone else's intelligence, which is typically through how we communicate with them, which as humans is primarily the verbal language. But we are the only animal that's capable of having a spoken word. So if you actually look at the chimpanzee brain anatomy, or I'm, not, I'm sorry, not, not their brain anatomy, their um, throat anatomy, they are not capable of having a dialect like we are. They can still have vocalizations, but they cannot articulate the words that we can. And so their brain is wired to communicate through scent, um, body posturing, facial cues in ways that our brains will never be able to do that. So when you're measuring intelligence of a chimp to a human or a dolphin to a dog, you're never, you know, you're comparing apples to oranges because they're taught to communicate in a different way, if that makes sense. Oh, that totally makes sense too. So and yeah, so I mean, when you say it, I, I, and this is my opinion, this is not scientifically published, it's just Rachel's opinion. I would say if raised in the right environment, they are as smart as young adult humans. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. I mean, why well, it shouldn't shock me. I mean, that's, I mean, that's yeah. And and they lack the larynx, right? Is that why they can't talk? Is that something like that? It's a part of that. And to be completely honest, like it's morphed a little bit differently and just for the sake of being accurate, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Don't so worry. I know it's just a little bit different. <laughs> don't, don't worry. No, I don't think anyone in the podcast is like, please go into that. Please go into the anatomy <laughs> of the chimp throat. Uh, that... exactly. It's a little bit different. So they can't um, speak the way that we do. That's what I remember. The important takeaway. Yes. Okay. So how many chimps were you working with? Um, when I started, we had a total of five chimpanzees. Okay, five chimps. Does it take them like, what is the first day like? I mean, people who go to work for the first day, you know, you meet your coworkers. Like, what is this like? So honestly, the chimpanzee group that I worked with, um, I mean, it's it's intimidating to step up to one of them. But uh, I worked with a bit of an older group. So we had one male who was in his late 20s, but we had all of our females who were in their 40s and 50s. And so honestly, you know, think of walking up to someone as a human that has twice your age and experience, these chimps have seen so much and they're twice my age. And so uh, they were a little bit more unfazed by new people because they've seen so many new rotations of people and just the way that their, so their social structure is, it was less intimidating to walk up to the chimpanzees because they're so fixated on each other as a group, as opposed to us as humans. Oh. And so they were, you know, they'd watch us and say, okay, there's a new face over there. Um, you know, when we first start to work with them, feed with them, that's why, as I'm sure, you know, with any animal, it takes a long time to build that relationship. You know, they knew that they'd have their shot if I was going to stick around to test my limits and test their boundaries with me, um, which they did rightfully so. Um, but that first day they're just kind of like, okay, who are you? Also we're chimps. So we know that we run the show walking into the gorilla house though i will never forget that experience they are so fixated on each individual human and they just have such a different response and seeing their giant sausage fingers that are just four times the size of our fingers just sit there and look at you that they i mean i know it sounds cliche but they stare right into your soul and they they are analyzing every single breath that you take as soon as you walk in the house the chimps were like another one all right what's this one going to do but the gorillas were they were the intimidating ones at first. Really? Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. I could even imagine. And what is like a male silverback gorilla weigh? Is it like, is it four or 500 pounds? Is it, a, what is it? Yeah. 
So it kind of depends on just like overall body scoring and uh-huh. composition. Um, but typically for a Western lowland gorilla, you're going to get about 350 to 450 pounds. Oh my gosh. And both of the silverbacks I worked with were just under 400 pounds. One of them is, um, when I left, I think he was 380 and still growing actually. So really? And okay. That, yeah, I would imagine them being the most intimidating, but okay. So over, so when I go back and visit, I have some friends in, uh, in St. Louis. So, you know, who worked at the St. Louis zoo, this and that we always would, you know, over beers and pizza talk about like, which would be the worst animal to be stuck in an exhibit with, you know, this is like (laughs) after hours beer talk and I have them rank it a gorilla, a chimp or an orangutan. What do you think? Okay. What do you think could be the worst? Oh my gosh. Uh, that (laughs) depends. I would say chimp would probably be the worst. That's what they said. But again, it depends. Do you work with them? How are they raised? Because so many chimpanzees were raised in a show like house pet setting, unfortunately. Um, that's not natural for the chimpanzee. But there's a lot of chimps in managed care situations that I think are they think they're human sometimes. You know, okay. when I visited smaller facilities that um, take in animals that needed a home. But... I don't know. Like, I mean, a chimp would meticulously, if they all wanted to injure you, a chimp would meticulously do it. So you hate every last second of your life. And a ring, I think a ring would be the best. Gorilla would definitely be in the middle. Really? So, and the reason why I asked you that is because I always thought gorillas would be the worst, but they said, all my keeper friends have said, no, I think gorillas, they'd rather be, if they had to, be stuck with the gorilla. That's interesting. And that's yeah. why that's why I brought that up, because they're so big, they look intimidating. But I, from what I've been told, sometimes they could be scary cats. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I can't tell you, when, a, when, a, when I worked with the gorillas, my best friend, um, one of our favorite games to play was spooking each other. So if he was, you know twiddling with his toes or making a nest down the hall, I would sneak up on him and boo. And he would laugh, but he would jump across the room and be like, what happened? What happened? And they're, they're so easily spooked sometimes they're, but again, it's one of those animals that you need to have a healthy respect. And the uh, correlation that I always, always say is, you know, we work with them day in and day out. And so when it's us that they know, um, it's like your family and your friends and the people, your mentors that are closest to you, that they interact with us. So when we spook them, it's one thing. Um, but if a random person were to fall in a gorilla exhibit or habitat, that's a different thing because what would you do if it's 2 AM, you hear a weird noise and someone's in your kitchen, you would puff out your chest. And if you weighed 380 pounds of muscle, you would probably hit them across the face and say, get out of my kitchen. And, but that doesn't mean that you're, by nature, this horrible, tough, terrorizing beast, it means you're protecting your area, just like any animal would. And, uh, you know, if I went into, if I accidentally fell into a gorilla exhibit with gorillas I knew, it'd be a totally different situation, not one I would want to be in part of, because it's still an unknown situation, but it would be, I think, different for that animal and everything alike, so. Yeah. That's, that's my take. That's so interesting. And okay, so you're working with chimps, you're working with gorillas, what is that like? For some reason, I've always been so fascinated behind the scenes at zoos and for some reason with the great apes. It just fascinates me. I've never, every time I go to a zoo, I'm like, I'd love to see the great apes, but like, I feel like the great ape, I've never been allowed access anywhere. Like, I feel like there's like, you know, everyone's like, no, 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 no. That's like secret. Like, it's like, I swear to God, I've been almost everywhere behind the scenes at a zoo, but I feel like for some reason, the great ape people are like on their own planet, pun intended. Oh, that's a good one. You get it? Planet <laughs> that is of the a good apes. One. I just thought of that. Anyway, but it's like this like secret like society of like they don't let people in. So what is that like behind the scenes of taking care of gorillas and chimpanzees? Oh, my gosh. Well, it's different every day. Um, I'm sure every facility is a little bit different. But honestly, it's. Oh, gosh, this is such a loaded question. It's a great question. It's loaded. We have we have as much time as you. I mean, seriously, (laughs) I, I realize as I asked that that is like a loaded question. That's like, you know. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's really surreal. And it's one of those things that, um, like any experience, it is what you make of it. But after working with, oh my gosh, several dozen species, um, and I don't know if it's because technically we are great apes, gorillas are great apes, you know, 
Um, and there's a different level of ability to communicate and read each other back and forth in there. But you, you're in their house and they are reading your every move and they communicate with, you know, smell is one of their biggest ways of communicating. So we don't really smell the hormones on other people and ourselves unless it's really bad, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, you know, they, I, I've always said they can smell what we're feeling before we can even see that they're watching us. Really? So if you're going in there and you're depressed, let's say you just had your heart broken by the love of your life. You think the gorillas are going to be able to smell that on you? Scientifically, I cannot prove that, but through multiple antidotes from myself and other people, I would argue that it's an option. Wow. So it's, it's one of those things that really makes you be an overall, and I sound, I know I sound cheesy when I say this, but I truly in my core believe it, that they make you a better person because they make you so hyper aware if you're a good keeper to be aware of walking into that house every day with the right mindset and your best foot forward, not only in terms of training and being able to handle them, but you know, it's our job to make sure that every day is their best day. And just like if you have a different coworker, you know, even in an office setting, you don't want a coworker that's going to come in and be negative all day and do all these wrong things. But I don't say wrong things, but things that people don't want to be around, but that's stepping up to them because they're reading us every single motion that we do. And, you know, there was, I'm not going to lie, when I uh, moved to the Cheetah team recently, I I was sad. I cried. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny it. But, you know, one of the moments when I realized it would be one of the last times that I was hanging out with my best friend, I went down and sat with him and he made a bed. He brought over his hay and laid down and I started crying like a baby and I'm not too proud to say that, but he lay down and he kind of like put his hand up and just happy grumbled. And I swear to God, he was staring into my soul. I'm like, getting teary eyed. I swear <laughs> to God. Can you see this? This is the saddest story. <laughs> and he was like, hey friend, what's going on? And I can oh. tell you're upset and I don't want you to be upset. And it's, you know, that's, it's, I don't know. It's just surreal. I could talk about it all day, every day, but it's, um, some of your happiest times, like you walk into a happy mood. It's just like if you see your best friend and they walk in your apartment door and they're like, I have the best news ever. You're going to be happy with them and you're going to celebrate with them. I can't tell you how many times I walked in that house and had a great day and we built off each other's energies, but they definitely, uh, they watch you, they watch you and they respond to it. And it's, it's so surreal. And like they, um, you know, we always talk about anthropomorphizing in a, or, as zookeepers, we're typically taught not to anthropomorphize. And I know this is right now an unpopular opinion, but technically by definition, anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic. It's such a mouthful. <laughs> I hate that word. I, I, True. It's so bad. It's so bad. I, I try to say it really fast so no one can tell that I'm totally butchered. Anthropomorphism. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we're taught not to do that, but by definition, it is giving a non-great ape, great ape characteristics. So when you work with great apes, it's really hard to draw those lines. But I've been a part of so many situations where I almost feel like we're not doing the animals justice if we don't grant them some type of, uh, you know, ability to emote and be a great ape because that's taking us out of the equation. We are technically the fifth grade ape. And so when you work with them, you, it's, it's hard to take a step back and not think of them sometimes as their own emotional beings, intelligent beings, you know, sent. And I, I know that a lot of people won't like me using this word, but sentient. And I think it doesn't do them justice to not grant them the ability to feel those things, if that makes sense. Cause you know, one time I had a friend who was a male come back in our um, house and they were allowed to just kind of see some of the back behind the scenes stuff. And they gave me a hug on the way out. It's just a, Hey, thanks for giving me a, you know, nice, good to see you. I'm going to head out. Gave me a hug. Oh my word, Corbin, our silverback, because gorillas don't hug. So chimpanzees hug is a part of their, um, you know, body, body communication. Gorillas do not. This gorilla lost his mind. It was one of our silverbacks, and I have not seen him. I've only seen him that angry two different times since when I worked with him. And he was slamming. He was just so mad vocalizing because he thought that that human was potentially hurting me. And so it was just one of those, like, you know, they we care for them, but there's a response for the things that happen with us. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's wild. It's really wild. To say the least. 
Wow. That's I do you ever have okay, so in every workplace there's a Karen. Like there's someone who's just just I mean, it's true. They're they're everywhere. You cannot escape the Karen's. You can't. It's so funny. My mom's name is Karen. And when she, <laughs> when she first, I guess, heard about the whole, you know, Karen uh, joke, she was like, why does everyone say my name in a, in a funny way? And my dad's just like, just, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But sorry, go back to your. No, it's so funny too. My manager's name's Karen too. And I don't think, I think she'd be so mad. I don't think she listens to the show. So, um, but uh, I named my tarantula Karen. It's so funny during shows. I'll take her out and people just crack up when her name's Karen. Cause of course the tarantula. Anyway, it's a funny joke. <laughs> If the tarantula moves around, you'd be like, come on, Karen. Come on, Karen. Come on. Come on, Karen. Come on. (laughs) So funny. Uh, But what what do they do when they do, when you do have a Karen in the work environment? How do the gorillas respond? Because you said they respond very well to uh, just everything. Smell, body posture. Like, what do they do if someone walks? What do they do if Karen walks in? Karen walks in. I have seen them in terms of like contract workers or other park workers that come in to kind of, you know, fix things that we have and whatnot. Um, I've seen them react differently to different people. Um, and whether that's, you know, obviously we have a lot of safety protocols for whenever anybody's in the house, not only in terms of like personal protective equipment, but barriers to like, here's a yellow line, don't cross it type of deal. Um, but so I don't know if it's, what the gorillas are reading off of, but they definitely have different reactions to different people. And there's sometimes situations where they don't, it, it's pretty visible when they don't like a person. Um, they, there was one person I remember that was in the house that had a very, very loud, um, like cackling type laugh. Oh. And every time <laughs> the laugh went off, <laughs> the gorilla, actually the same one that uh, was mad for my friend hugging me, would just grumble from across the house like I don't want to hear that laugh and they they respond to things and they they'll they definitely respond to that stuff oh my god I don't know if the gorillas would like me I'm just like a loud excited person I would have to be it's not no no it's not necessarily loud and excited because that was my thing too when I first started everyone was like Rachel you're gonna need to learn how to talk quieter move slower and I was like I mean I get that initially (laughs) you're like I get it I get it I get it with your hands like I get it I'm gonna I get it because so you know funny. when you first, but it's when you first meet anybody, right? And it, this is you know going back to how they really make you better people. <laughs> when you first, like, let's say you go first. I mean, not that you would date your animal because that's weird, but like when you first went on a date with your wife, did you meet her and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm Corbin, and here's all the exciting things. I'm yes, about. Blah, blah, yes. Blah. My wife tells me to calm down all the time because I just am a naturally excited person, and sometimes okay. people are like. Hold, okay, hold on. Like, hold. And I, I'm also a morning person. So, but no, 100%. She's like, honey, you're coming on a little too strong. And it's funny too. Cause yeah, anyway, some people like think I'm like on, I, I hate to say it, but like drinking or trying, I'm not, I'm so, or you know what I mean? But it's like, people just assume like, what is this guy on? Cause I am a very excited person. So yes, I'm I, you are too. But you know, there's, there's, and there's, a place where that's really appreciated, like all the things that you do, that's the personality <laughs> that makes you so successful, right? <laughs> just... so, but like anything, there's a time and a place. And so when you first meet someone new, you know, I usually have to tone it down a you little do? bit. And do one you? of my friends always jokes, she's like, be normal, Rachel, be normal. <laughs> and, uh, but as time goes on, you know, you're able to build a trusting back and forth, uh, pattern of communication with an animal or a human and so with the gorillas they learn to know rachel's in the house weird things are going to happen and that's just what it is but you know the right gorilla personality that's kind of why i always say my best friend's a gorilla he is he matches it his energy his goofiness you know his fast thinking and fast actions one of our favorite games was to play tag and run and spin and dance and do all these fun things and Thankfully, protected contact. I would be a pancake if it weren't protected contact. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you you find your you find your tribe when it matches your energy. But you still go in being aware of all of it. Yeah, and what is it like, like safety procedures? Because I was going to say that I have heard a story of an orang. Uh, grabbing like trying convincing a keeper to come closer and then grabbing the hand through the fence and then rotating each of the fingers 360 degrees i haven't heard that specific story but they are definitely smart enough um definitely vindictive enough if they don't like you and uh 
you know, intelligent enough to pre-plan the, the baiting, the bait and switch. That, that's 1000% something they do. Yeah. So what is, how do you safety wise, like, I, I'm just, what, what is it like, how are you guys like safe working with these massive animals and potentially dangerous animals? Yeah. And well, so that's, again, it's really important. Um, we always work protected contact with our great apes. So there's okay. always something between us and them, whether that's a spatial barrier. So maybe like a water moat between us or, um, spatial in terms of, you know, we'll be standing up on, like a ladder on a roof or something like that to be mm -hmm. able to toss to them and do training sessions or in the house, it's a steel mesh. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to get up close with them and it really helps us take the best care of them possible, right? Because you can brush their teeth, do tactile, um, do like different types of ultrasounds, do voluntary injections. Um, obviously a lot of fun behaviors as well too, because we don't all just want to go to the doctor all day, every day, but we need to take care of them in a voluntary setting. And so we have that steel mesh and it's a two by the one that I was used to working with was a two by two inch steel mesh. And so, um, you know, obviously they could get their fingers through, um, if they had a stick and they really wanted to poke you, they could do that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about teaching those proper boundaries and respect both ways. So when we first started, if you are a new keeper, you don't even get to touch the apes for, um, I believe it's 18 months from the time you are full time to actually going on. And that's if you're, you know, that's if you're a fresh keeper, if you've achieved like a senior level somewhere else, it would be a different progression. But, um, you know, they do that in terms of safety because you have to not only learn that animal and they move so fast. I've I, gorillas are infinitely faster than you would ever ever imagine mm -hmm. um but you know you have to learn the animals the animals have to learn you and then it's all part of that positive reinforcement process so you know you take stepwise relationship building steps with them to build that trust build that confidence and at the end of the day it's always their option to come over to you uh, that's another reason i really like working protected contact with great apes because you don't just go in their room and say hey we're going to do a session or we're going to do a feeding or we're going to do this or that it's you know I'm here. Would you like to come over and interact with me? And it gives them that choice-based environment as well. Okay. So touching them, are you touching their hands? Is that primarily what you're touching their feet? Um, so the animals that I worked with, we, they were trained to have every portion of their body touched. Uh, mm. so that's not only something that we can, you know, if they get a cut or a scrape, we can give them a full examination, but it really helps desensitize them to any type of, you know, husbandry thing that we would need to do. So, they were all trained for cardiac ultrasounds. The females were trained for uterine ultrasounds. They were used to their shoulders and legs being touched. We could do voluntary injections. Um, you know, it kind of helps us just take good care of them for a lot of different reasons. Wow. What is a, what do they feel like? What does a gorilla feel like? <laughs> um, their skin is really, really rough and their fur is, it's like coarse fur. It's almost like, um, ooh. Maybe like horse hair, like shorter horse hair. Really? So okay. it's, it's kind of soft, but it's not as soft as human hair. A little bit more coarse. Okay. Which would make sense of the environment they live in. Okay. Yeah. And like rough hands. I thought their hands always look kind of soft. They're, it's, it's just like thick skin. So it's like if you touched almost like the bottom of your feet. So it's not, oh, you know. I'll do it's it like right now. Hold on. <laughs> I, okay. Mine are soft though. Embarrassingly. <laughs> It's, it's mine are callous because I'm always outside without shoes on. So and it, <laughs> but it depends. So they actually knuckle walk. Okay. So that you know, if you look at like a knuckle, depending on what portion of their hand you're touching, it might have some fur up on the top of the hand, and then you know the areas that are going to impact that ground a lot more, they're going to have a, the thicker layer of skin there. But if sure. you touch the inside of their palm, it's going to be a little bit softer. Okay. Okay. So just like if it's like a human foot that, you know, if it's outdoors a lot, it's going to get thicker callous skin. But sure. if it's indoors a lot or always wearing shoes, then it won't. Yeah. Okay. So at, in most zoos, you see like chimp and gorilla habitats. They're usually like next to each other. Do the mm -hmm. gorillas and chimps ever see each other behind the scenes or is that like a no-no? Um, I can't speak for every facility. Our facilities, we had a different gorilla house and a different chimp house. Okay. Um, so they, because they share so much of our DNA, they are susceptible to a lot of 
uh, illnesses that we can get, even the common cold, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's one way to kind of separate groups is keep them in their own houses. So if for whatever reason, let's say the chimp group caught the cold, we can take proper PPE and sanitizing guidelines to make sure our gorillas don't catch that. Um, but furthermore, and more importantly, in my opinion, they don't see each other in nature. So they inhabit different areas of Africa, and so their chance of overlap is much smaller. So we wouldn't put them together because I, I don't I don't want to see what would happen if a chimp and a gorilla got together. <laughs> oh God, I wouldn't want to either. Um, no, I wouldn't be part of that. So is there like okay? So working in the zoo, is it can, okay? Be honest with me. Are the great eight people kind of stuck up, or is there like a no, it's true, though, because you have, like, elephant people who, like, have huge egos, like the animals they work with, um, which I've heard. I don't know. Could you not agree? I don't know. Like, they're... she's laughing. Um, she's no, laughing. I... You're not wrong. And so I have a really weird theory, and I've never really talked. I don't talk about it a lot, so I'll definitely bring it up. I'll be honest. Well, first of all, every group's going to have a variety of people in it, so... I have met egotistical elephant keepers, but I have met some of the most down-to-earth, you know, great humans of elephant keepers as well. When it comes to the great ape world, usually there is a different stigma. People are not wrong for having that different stigma. I would like to work to continue to change that stigma. But, again, this is one of those things that I would love to have actually someone do a science project on this. So gorillas and chimps and... I'm assuming orangs as well, communicate so much through scent and hormone signaling that when you walk into those houses, like it's, you get so many different scents all the time and we're great apes. So even if we don't pay attention to us responding to that, I think we subconsciously respond to it. And I think it creates that, if that makes sense. Like, hold on. It sounds weird. I know. No, no, it doesn't sound weird. Just go into detail a little bit more. I'm trying to wrap like, my mind. They... I've just met so many great eight people and you know, not only at the facility I work at, but a lot of other great eight facilities where they just get so, they have a lot of mood fluctuations and the, 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 the keepers do is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And part of me just wonders if those mood fluctuations are subconsciously affected by the animals they work with and the moods of the animals that they work with. Okay. I just see it play to get, sometimes I see a parallel between the two. There's no science behind it. It's just Rachel's speculations. No, I it, I find it interesting because they are their own separate entity. I've been to many zoos and I feel like the great eight people are their own animal. Like they're very just like in their own world. Like I, I, I mean, I re, like I, <laughs> I, I, I actually had this conversation with someone recently. They, I don't remember what it was, but they were like, Rachel, you just... I'll never not think of you as a marine mammal person. And I was like, why? You are a marine like, mammal person. Oh, God, this makes sense. You're like a dolphin trainer. Holy. Oh, no, my light just went off. Yeah, they were like, well, you're, um, you just don't act like the grade eight people. Oh, no, Corbin, I think my light died. I'm sorry. Oh, um, I can like, still you see you. Okay. You, they don't, you don't act like the grade eight people. And I was like, but is it really that different? And they're like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, oh, maybe. Yeah, you might be like the nicest, most outgoing grade eight person I know. Oh, thank you. Well, may I should I mean not that I've met like a ton of grade eight people, but they just are they more quiet? The grade eight people? Or do they just not like loud people like me? I'm just trying to see. I have been to many zoos and like I've seen the click of the grade eight people. I remember one curator went up. We were all in like the lunch area and he like went up. He's like, Corbin, let me go talk to the grade eight people. And of course, they all walk into the lunch area as like a giant click. Of course, you know what I mean? It's like high school all over again. And he like went over and he's like, hey, pointing to me like, can we get behind the scenes tour? And they looked at me and they're like, nah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I no. know. I know. But I'm just, I'm just oh, I curious. <laughs> It was so awkward. I was like, you know, sitting there like so happy, like, please. And they're just like, no. Oh no, my no, gosh. No, no. I, hate that, I hate that they did that to you. No. Yeah, it's okay. It, they suck. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, and it, it, you know, I don't know because I'll never forget one time we had like an all zoo meeting and uh, the t not the same people that are there now, but the team I was with were like, well, we all walk in together and we sit together. And I had just started and I wanted to sit with other teams and meet new people because I think we have a very similar personality where we're like, meet everyone, talk to everyone, extra, yeah. extra. And, uh, 
<laughs> we we all walked in and they're like, no, 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 this this is what we do. And I remember just being like, well, well, this is weird. <laughs> like, it's weird. There's a lot of segregation in zoos. It is. It's very weird. I remember, I won't name the zoo, but uh, we went, I um, was able to get behind the scenes with the hippos. I'm obsessed with hippos. So my friend, do you like hippos too? Mm -hmm. And at your facility, you have hippos too. I'm so jealous. We do. Uh, it's so we do. cool. Uh, but anyway, but at the facility I went to, my friend who's a curator, like had to go over like the moon and secure this hippo tour and, the, and behind the scenes with the rhinos. And I remember... It was so like, it was such a big deal that I was able to get this tour that he's like, Hey, do you mind if I come on the tour? Cause I've never been allowed back there. And I'm like, sure. And then my other friend who's a reptile keeper was like, do you mind if I come too? And I was like, sure. And so anyway, um, we were talking to some lady who had, anyway, we were in the zoo. We had finished our hippo tour and we went to the birdhouse. And I remember talking to a bird keeper who had been there for 20 years. And I said, Oh, we just got done with the hippos. It was so cool. Have you been back there? And she was like, Oh man, I wish they would just never let me back there. And I just was thinking, my God, in 20 years you've worked, it's just so segregated. You know, and I think that comes down to, and this is just my take on it, but it, it that saddens me so much because at the end of the day, we're all so passionate about the animals we work with and we should want to be able to share that with people and let other people see how cool it right? is. And on top of that, like, I want the animals that I work with to be enriched. They don't want to just see my face every day. Part mm. of that, you know, enriching, ever-changing environment is bringing in new people and letting them be okay with that. And I've met so many zookeepers over the years that say, you know, hey, uh, our animals aren't okay with new people. And I'm like, okay, let's fix that. Like, let's change that. How, like, could you imagine just sitting and hanging out in your space for your whole life only seeing five people? And, you know, that's not... I don't want to make that into a weird zoo thing, but why would you not want them to be able to see new people, meet new faces, have new interactions and have that dynamic, you or know, show what you do on a daily. Like that's so like, that's so cool. Like I find it so fascinating. And I grew up in a, in a really small town, our little hometown zoo maybe had like six full-time keepers and everyone like helped each other out. And then I remember them telling me when I was young, like, this is not how it is in other big zoos. And I was like, really? And then as, as I grew up and visited other zoos, I realized like, no, it's not. There's a lot of, you know, segregation. Yeah, and you know, I tell people all the time, cause I get the question a lot, you know, what's the next animal you'd want to work with? And uh, I mean, that's a whole nother story. And you know, I could list 10 to 20, but one of the animals that I always think would be really cool to work with would be a hyena. And oh. that's not, yeah. I love hippos and hyenas. Holy crap. Yes. We are like, I think we could be best friends. Oh my I God. So Did oh. we just become best friends? <laughs> I don't know. I'm married to, are you married? No. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll become best friends with your wife. Okay. Um, sounds but... good. She'll love you. <laughs> so, perfect. so, but no, I went, um, so we, part of our career growth program is we're able to shadow other areas, um, on one of our days. And it was so cool because I was actually able to go to our hippo hyena oh, lion area. Oh my God. Rub and it in. <sighs> we, we had us there was this hyena that was just born and I was watching the dynamic of the females interact with this younger hyena. And they were like, Hey, while we do some opening stuff, just hang out and watch the hyenas. And I swear that 15 minutes of watching hyenas from a backstage area and you know, that close up thing changed my view of them forever. And just to see how dynamic each individual was and watch their social interactions with each other, it was the coolest thing. And had I never been able to go in the hyena house, I would have never known that hyenas were so cool, you know? Yeah. And so it's, 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 I don't think it's fair to sequester areas and not let other people visit them. I think so too. And not all zoos are like that. I've been to some zoos too, like who, which were all, I want to give a shout out to my friends. Have you ever been to the uh, Toledo zoo in Ohio? I have not. Oh my God. They're awesome. I'll hook you up with my friends. I remember like, I was like, do you mind if I go see the hippos? They're like, sure. Come on back and meet Herbie. Herbie. And they like came over. Herbie opened his mouth. They're like, touch the inside. It feels so cool. And I'm like, what? Anyway, so there are like really cool keepers still out yeah. there. <laughs> so they're not all like that. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> I know Toledo is really cool. And by the way, there was a safety barrier between Herbie. But I remember because when I went to the other zoo, it was like, ah, 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 you know what I mean? Like, you know, you could look at, it was very, like controlled with the hippo behind the scenes then toledo they just asked herbie to open his mouth and they let me touch the inside of his mouth it was like the best day of my life it was pretty cool so 
Well, and see, that's the important thing too, is because now you are able to not only have that experience, but whoever's listening to that is able to hear that experience. And I was able to, in our hippo area, you know, touch our hippos and work with them in a couple ways. But being able to share that with family and friends, whether it's through a podcast or just dinner with a family or a friend, you're able to say, oh my gosh, do you know what a hippo feels like? And that helps build those connections with people that may or may not have those abilities and may or may not have that respect and interest in those animals. And then, um, you know, that's really what this whole world and zoo world and zoo purpose is about, right? These are the ambassador animals that we're supposed to help spread um, awareness to and a respect for and an admiration for. And if we say, oh, no, 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 they're (laughs) off in a corner, but here we are. No, that doesn't help anybody, does it? I agree. I agree. And by the way, I'm sure. So you felt like the inside of their mouth, like the gelatinous. Have you felt that? You said you got no, to touch. I didn't. I didn't feel the inside of their mouth. Oh my god, it's like squishy and like I can't even like you know those like squishy toys you get as a kid, like where you squeeze them, they're like plastic and they go through your fingers. Like that's what it felt like. Yes. Oh my god, it was like yeah. And I remember that. I like I remember how embarrassing. I, I, I like called my mom. How embarrassing. I'm like <laughs> I was like mom, it's the best day of my life. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, that, that is so cool. That is so cool. So, um, so really quick for people who want to break into the industry, can you give us a few pointers? Cause, uh, people listen to this, they want the inside stuff. We know it's hard, correct. To become a zookeeper. What top pointers can you give us? Um, the thing that I always say the most is be the hardest and most humble worker in the room. Um, you know, a lot of times I can say the same stuff that everybody else has said, you know, get a degree in the sciences, but that, you know, most people do have a bachelor's. My bachelor's is in biomedical engineering because I'm a math nerd and I just, I was understimulated in college. And so I was like, you know what, in case I can't get into this, let me do veterinary as a backup because it is very challenging. Um, but you know, that being said, that doesn't mean it's not possible. And it's, you know, it's hard to give up or it's, it's, it's impossible to not get where you want when you stop, when you never give up. And so the biggest thing is going into any volunteer interning or networking experience with the right head on your shoulders and knowing where you want to get meeting the right people and, you know, being willing to learn from those experiences, not only how to better yourself, because you have to become really humble. As you obviously know, you're going to clean a lot of poo. You're going to do a lot of weird, dirty things that you never thought you would do in your life. And, um, you have to be okay with it. And at the end of the day, you are the animal's janitor. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be okay with, you know, humbling yourself for that, but you still have to be a hard worker and, um, you know, show people what you're capable of always be willing to learn. It's a field that you never stop learning from. And I think that with that right mindset, um, combined with the right experience, you know, take any experience you can. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I came to the facility I was at to work with chimps. I fell in love with gorillas. Now I'm with cheetahs. And, uh, even though I got peed on by one the other day, um, I still think they're absolutely amazing, but I started off with marine mammals and, you know, I went to one facility and I was like, oh, I want to go to work with the dolphins. And then I fell in love with the sea lions. And, you know, it was something that just be willing to, um, always say yes to opportunities, learn and grow. And, uh, yeah. But Rachel, wasn't that hard when you're in love with the gorillas and your facility says, okay, we're moving you over to cheetahs. I would have been mad. (laughs) So there was a lot that went into that decision. Um, it was, it was really tough. I won't lie. It was a tough pill to swallow when you're not going to see your best friend every day, but I'm only going to become a better trainer, you know, animal behaviorist and keeper and person by being willing to grow and learn from other animals. So what I'm going to learn from working with great apes is very different from what I'll learn with cheetahs. And cheetahs are, first of all, I love working with them a lot more than I thought I would. Um, We have a really great ambassador program. And so we do a lot of really cool training with them that I love to be a part of, but how they think and interact with their environment. You know, I'm used to coming from great apes, which are the most confident animals because they know that they run the show to working with cheetahs now that are so unconfident because even though that they're, you know, a cat, they're not like a big apex cat. If it weren't for their running capabilities, I would, I would question a lot of their survival, which is already threatened from a lot of different reasons. But, you know, they are, you know, that 
super confident to unconfident animal, it makes you a better trainer because you now have to rewire how you think. What is this animal interpreting? How am I communicating with them? How can we work together to form this relationship? And it makes you a better person um, being willing to work with new animals, new teams. I, I love the team that I work with. Oh, there they go again. No worries. No worries. <laughs> I love the uh, team that I work with, and it's an exciting way to work with new individuals and learn from them as well. Um, so it's really one of those things that a lot of people ask me that. They're like, oh, my gosh, how are you going to survive life without the great apes? And it was hard. I won't lie. I cried. Um, but I think if we had a dollar for every time one of us talked about us crying on this episode today. <laughs> We'd be millionaires. We would. But it was... I, I'm really happy for the new opportunity and, um, you know, I think down the road, it's just going to open me up to be a better, better zookeeper and animal trainer down the road. And, um, there's something else I was going to say, but I just lost my train of thought. No worries. No worries. I, um, I, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show. I would like to invite you. Will you join me for the after show? I don't know what the after show is, but yes. Okay, yes. It's for our patrons only because I have some I, I want to dive deeper into this. I also want to talk to you about some controversial stuff, including Blackfish, uh, SeaWorld. I, you're like, oh, great. Really? <laughs> this is the after show. Uh, and we'll get more in depth. I also want to talk to you uh, about the gorillas, a uh, little bit more in depth with that. So patrons, if you want to, or patrons, listeners, if you want to join us, head on over to Animals, to, or excuse me, I'm like butchering this up. I'm sorry. It's like Monday and I'm, I think I need another cup of coffee. If you want to listen to this, listeners, head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max. But before you go, Rachel, please tell my audience uh, where they can follow you and also about your podcast lion tigers and beers i love it <laughs> yeah absolutely so if you guys want to follow me and st stay in touch with me um i'm active on instagram at rachel meets planet and um that's probably the best place that i do post most of the things um we did have a lot of things exciting coming up covid kind of derailed and is now re-railing some of those things so the best way to find out about all those updates including Africa trips and projects would be at the Rachel meets planet Instagram handle. And then if you want to check out the podcast, it's called lions, tigers, and beers. We have a lot of conversations similar to this one over beer. So it's great. <laughs> That's so awesome. Rachel, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Let's head over to the after show. Sounds good. Corbin. See you there. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.